Hello and welcome to Across the States, the ALEC podcast. I'm your host, Bill Meyerling. Today we'll be chatting with Leanne Ridgway, Vice President of Information Management Services at Collins Aerospace, where she also serves as a leader on the organization-wide Pandemic Response Task Force. But first, a little context setting for our listeners. Last December, Collins Aerospace President Steve Tim spoke to ALEC members, virtually of course, at the States and Nation Policy Summit about the return to travel and what Raytheon and Collins Aerospace are doing to increase consumer confidence in safety and hygiene systems for travelers. During the conversation with Steve Tim, I was struck by the sheer magnitude and scope of solutions developed by Collins Aerospace, as well as the pace of innovation within the company. And while the technology is available, and in many cases already deployed, the challenge at hand is around awareness and consumer confidence. And with that, let's go to Leanne Ridgway, Vice President and General Manager for Information Management Solutions at Collins Aerospace. Thank you for joining the show today, Leanne. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be here today especially to share all the great things we're doing on restoring, uh, hopefully, this great industry of aviation to pre-COVID levels. That's right. And I know people are traveling on the up and up right now, but there's still a ways to go. So before we jump into the meat of the conversation today, can you help our listeners better understand the breadth of products and solutions developed by Collins Aerospace for the commercial aviation market? Yeah, absolutely. When we think about Collins Aerospace and the broad range of the products and services that we provide to commercial aviation, I like to think of it essentially as from curb to curb, from the time you enter the airport till the time you leave the airport. And we touch many of the major systems in between. A lot of people are familiar with us as far as on the aircraft for supplying avionics, for supplying all of the aerostructures like nacelles and a lot of the exterior major systems, landing systems, certainly well-known for the power and controls and things like landing gear and the flight controls. And certainly from the Collins Heritage, all of the front end of the aircraft with the avionics or the ComNav guidance surveillance systems. We also are well-known for also doing the interiors, almost anything you touch in the aircraft as a traveling passenger. So anything from the touchless labs that we're creating now, to the galley inserts, to the seating. And then we work to bring all of that together. Certainly, we have the connectivity that brings this ecosystem together from the ground networks, the air-to-ground networks, um, for the control towers and the flight deck. And then we kind of wrap it all together with the service and support to create that safe and efficient experience across that whole traveling ecosystem. So curb to curb, from the point of time you enter an airport to the time you leave at your destination, Collins is there. And it's very interesting to think about how such a tactile activity as travel is now moving into a touchless space. I understand that through the task force you lead at Collins Aerospace, you're looking at ways industry stakeholders can work together to boost passenger confidence as travel resumes. How does a company like Collins Aerospace look at such a broad issue as consumer confidence? And what do you see for the future of travel? We've been taking an active participation, really, Bill, in in this. And as you said, it was about a year ago that Steve Tim chartered our task force. And we put a group together that was from across our corporation and from various groups. And then we broke it down into subcommittees. So we've kind of been looking at this and attacking it from certainly the engineering and the technology side. We also had subcommittees working with uh, all of the various government entities from you know, state and local to federal government. 
We've also been working with industry partners as well. So we have a subcommittee looking at that, certainly a subcommittee focused on our customers as well. And then we've been working to pull all of this together and really got a lot of momentum, I would say, probably going into the summer of last year because we joined in with different task force then outside of Collins Aerospace. So we joined with several of the OEMs. Also, we've been meeting regularly with our industry associations, both for airports as well as our airlines, certainly then working with different supply chains and then really working with the regulatory bodies, public health experts, both in academia as well as with medical scientists. And then, as I mentioned, the government officials. And what we were trying to do and our main mission in 2020 was to collaborate across the industry, help bring the industry together so that we could communicate and have some, well, have some consistency and then communicate that to the traveling public in order to regain their confidence in the safety and of travel. That's a very analogous uh, scenario to what our state legislators have been dealing with uh, during the pandemic, coming together for collaborative purposes without a true future in sight. Absolutely. I think I've heard it referred to before as, you know, much like the United States had to come together collectively after 9-11. So maybe not unprecedented in terms of cooperation and working together, but it's that same type of collaboration across uh, our states and the legislators that it's taking to, to really look ahead to restarting this industry. It's so interesting to see how the, the pace of innovation can increase exponentially as more collaborators come on board to advance a, a common goal. So thinking about the task force and an approach to consumer confidence and growing people's awareness of the safety protocols in place for when they travel, one of the things you mentioned a moment ago was the notion of uh, touchless. And part of touchless engagement in an airport seems to be biometric screening. So from a biometric screening procedures and touchless ticketing security and boarding kiosks, it seems that you see contactless travel as central to restoring consumer confidence in in their journey. Can you tell our listeners about the technologies that are coming to market? Yeah, absolutely, Bill. You know, we, we do see it as central because, you know, in today's world, taking away those touch points has been pretty critical in all areas of our new lives as we move forward. And I think you know, with the technologies existed for that contactless journey through the airport, even prior to the COVID pandemic hitting. And for the airports themselves, it had a great business case prior to the pandemic. And what I mean by that was airports around uh, the United States and around the globe were looking for ways to avoid major infrastructure projects of creating new terminals. And as you know, a lot of our major airports are in sort of landlocked areas around major cities. And so what happened with biometrics and the contactless technologies and products that have been brought to market was that you could be more efficient in processing passengers. So essentially you could process more passengers in the current foot space and footprint that you have today. So it made a great business sense for both the airlines and the airports as well. And then what we've seen now with the pandemic is the fact that now you have these technologies that are contactless and they're actually able to is in the process and take some friction out where maybe our customers were looking at that before as really processing greater numbers with a smaller footprint. Now what it also does is it would allow for them to have efficiencies to maintain greater 
physical distancing with that extra time that they've been able to save in addition to the contactless journey that we've got. And what's great about the technologies is you can literally come and go curb to curb. So everything from touchless kiosks at check-in to touchless baggage processing and your baggage drops, also at the security checkpoints, and then at the self-boarding gates. And like I said, the efficiencies gained by this and the confidence that that provides to not only the passengers, but also to our airport employees and employees like at TSA to be able to have that extra measure of safety, I think is really welcomed. It seems like a real win-win in terms of efficiency and health and safety for government service delivery and for individuals. It's interesting to think that uh, just a few years ago, the cutting edge of biometric identification was the fingerprint used by so many to unlock their smartphones. But with the new focus on touchless, it seems fingerprints will be superseded by facial recognition and other biometric identifiers like temperature and respiratory rate. How do you allay privacy concerns when it comes to biometrics? You know, I think um, that's probably the prevalent question that we get from our customers, whether they be the airlines, the airports, or even more so from our government partners as they're asking. And really, I think the thing that I like to talk to people about with our biometric solution and what we do is people are under the impression that what you're doing is you're taking a picture of an individual and you're storing that picture and you're storing their personal information and then it's reused time and time again. Well, that's just not the truth and how this works. I think when privacy concerns first came out, that might have been true about old technologies. But the technology we've designed is with privacy in mind, and it's really, we put the control in the hands of the consumer or the passenger. So let me describe for you for a moment what it's like to use, like, for example, the Collins facial recognition. So as you've already, let's say you're traveling internationally and you've already agreed with your passport with Customs and Border Patrol, you've already agreed for them to use the likeness of your photo in your your passport. and so. The technologies we're using with biometrics today and facial recognition are much like that. So you would, as the passenger, you would enroll. And then as you would walk up to, say, the kiosk or the baggage drop or security checkpoint or the boarding gate, there would be a quick facial scan. And the scan actually doesn't take a picture of you. So in other words, if, Bill, you were walking through that, it would do a quick scan of like 74 points on your facial image. And it would send that back to the database that uh, the federal government or state government is controlling, not the vendors or the supply chain. And it would say, oh, this facial recognition with the 74 points actually matches a facial recognition of somebody who is on, you know, destined to be on this manifest, to be on this aircraft. And so then it sends it back, does an approval, and the gate opens. And so the picture is not kept or contained. It's a facial image. And as soon as that transaction is done, you know, poof, it's gone. And so it doesn't even, you know, particularly say, hey, this is Bill coming through here. It just knows you match somebody who's supposed to be on that manifest. So I think there's been great care to put the control in the hands of the passenger to not maintain privacy information and to actually use it for a transaction for efficiency and then actually have it disappear. So I think there's a little bit of a misnomer out there in the general public on what biometrics can be and what it actually includes. 
I think this explanation will be incredibly helpful to the across the states listeners. It seems like a, a people first, privacy first biometrics model. It absolutely is. And, you know, we take great consideration around the global privacy laws. Everything is designed with, the, you know, those current regulations and standards in place. So very much putting the control in into the passenger's hand. So a moment ago, you were describing the win-win of touchless travel in terms of efficiency and public health. Some airports around the country and other air carriers are already making this capital investment. But I imagine a significant capital investment will be required on the part of air carriers, airport authorities, states and municipalities to ensure consumer confidence in air travel. Essentially, it's an all-hands-on-the-flight-deck moment for the industry and the public-private partnership that supports it. How should legislators at this moment in time be thinking about infrastructure? Yeah, I think a great point, Bill, is that we know with the current economic depression that's been caused by the pandemic and that our airport and our airline customers are certainly suffering. And we're very appreciative for what the legislators have done, certainly as they've done it multiple times now, to continue to provide funding to to our constituents there and our, our customers. And very appreciative for that. And they've been approaching it mostly, honestly, from a uh, salary continuation, which has been very beneficial. But we really think that the turning point for absolutely putting future-proof technologies in that not only help us with this current pandemic, but could prevent a recession in the aviation industry in the future by having these technologies in place, we'd really like to see legislatures start to help with some technology funding that could actually put these technologies in place. And what I really like about it, Bill, is it's not, it's they're not hugely expensive. Yes, they are capital outlays, but a lot of it is software and a lot of it can work on top of already existing equipment that's in place, like existing gates, existing kiosks and that. So the technology when compared to a lot of infrastructure projects is not that expensive. But the fact remains that right now with the cash burn and the cash loss across our industry, the industry needs help. And kind of the analogy I use in my head is let's teach them to fish, right? Instead of giving them the fish, let's Mm -hmm. teach them to fish. So it's let's get them the money and the funding to get the technology. And so the technology then opens, you know, the confidence and restores the the traveling public. And then it becomes, you know, a self-filling cup, if you will. You know, I know that... uh... Consumer confidence is increasing. People are returning to travel and, you know, day by day, news changes to the good. Back in December, we were anticipating COVID vaccine deployment. Today, we're well on our way to herd immunity through a national vaccine campaign. Certainly, the goal of consumer confidence is on the horizon, but there's a a lot of runway in front of us. So when we're back to normal, when things return, what do you view as the future of commercial air travel? We well, you know I think there's a step in between there we've got to talk about, and it's it's really on the top of mind. I think, you know, in 2020, as all the various task force around the industry worked together, it was really on focusing on how do we reduce the the transmission of the disease, and how do we come together, and how do we talk about the safety, and how do we communicate that to eliminate confusion, to really kind of eliminate competition, if you will, and on cleanliness and safety across the industry. And I'm very proud of what the industry did. I think as we focus on 2021 and we think about what's ahead of us here in this this immediate future that's going to get us back on that path of restarting aviation and certainly doing it faster, I think we've got to talk about how we're going to get 
you know, efficient digital management of health credentials. And I think that's going to be a vital piece to restarting travel. And how we're thinking about that is you're hearing a lot about health passports. And while right now with the new variants and still a little confusion around the globe and in some areas having a slower than maybe that we'd like to see a vaccination rollout, I think it's important for us as an industry now to start thinking about versus transmission, because we know the layered approach of wearing a mask and you know hand washing and sanitizing and the physical distancing and good airflow. We, we know that that message has been heard and received. Certainly the traveling public has acknowledged that through surveys, they're ready to travel again. What they're missing is the ability to travel with open borders to know that if they go from state to state or from country to country, that once they get there, they know what to expect and that there aren't these large quarantines. And so what the industry is really rallying around now, I think, and we're going to see as a focus in 21 is how do we stop the importation of the disease? And there's ways to do it without governments having to close down borders 100%. So it doesn't have to be a binary 0-100, right? So we're saying with Exactly your point, Bill, that there's vaccinations rolling out, there's becoming some herd immunity. There's actually access to a lot of rapid testing now that wasn't so available early in the pandemic. So the belief now is that if we could focus on how can we safely open this up to passengers who are safe to travel, who have been vaccinated, who have immunity, who have been cleared in testing, there would be no need to have these closed borders and these 14-day quarantines. So what we're focusing on is that we should be, as an industry right now, that includes our government partners as well, be focusing on a plan that would say, hey, we're ready to restart this. And as we do this, we know that manual processes just aren't going to be able to cope with this. So back to our technology that we were talking about earlier that will provide that contactless. We also think there's a piece of this digital health passport that also needs to come to bear so that probably the airlines are going to face the burden of the verification that you're you're safe and healthy to travel. And we believe this digitalization of this is going to be the key to that health information. And that's going to take a lot of cooperation, right? So the planning, the cooperation to be able to bring global standards. So we've got harmonized in the United States here, state to state, much like they did with the one state ID. We've got to have those standards in the United States. We've got to have them around the globe. And we've got to have that all, the ability to have a commonality around that digital health credentials. And I think that's what's first and foremost right now on our minds across the industry to be able to get this jump started uh, more quickly and to be ready to accelerate this restart of the industry and the economy. Well, Leanne, you've certainly built confidence for me in travel and returning to flight. So I appreciate you spending time with me, but also the entire listening audience across the states today. Folks, this has been Leanne Ridgway, Vice President and General Manager for Information Management Solutions at Collins Aerospace, speaking with your host, Bill Meyerman, Across the States. Until next time, have a good day. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alex States. 
The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.